everyone. It's Arielle, and thank you once again for tuning into our forum, Reducing Stigma to Improve Maternal Health Practice and Policy for Alcohol and Substance Use and Pregnancy. Today, we're going to continue our discussion on the role of stigma in substance use treatment for pregnant women and mothers. Our speaker today is Ruth Cedarface, Lakota name Naki Pia Piawi, or Wise Spirit Woman. Ruth owns a Native woman for profit business called Mak Pia Shnakiawi, or Cloud Robe Woman Services. A mother of two sons, she's dedicated her career to work with and for her people, no matter what position she holds, wanting to create change for families here. A drug, alcohol, and trauma healer from Pine Ridge Reservation, she's worked within the substance abuse and mental health fields in South Dakota for almost 29 years, being credentialed for 27 of those years. She presently works with the Little Boone School in the Opta Ochankri Therapeutic Counseling Center to help address the substance abuse and mental health issues that have increased due to the pandemic. Through her private practice, Ruth works with several organizations to provide services, and she's previously partnered with the Pennington County State's Attorney Mark Bargo and Sheriff Kevin Tom to bring healing classes to the Native population who are in the Drug Diversion Program, where a defendant's record may be expunged if the graduation from classes is achieved along with a year of sobriety. These classes are called the Seven Directions Programs, and they have roots in Lakota culture. Pairing traditional healing ceremonies with Western education and training to help with the healing process. As Ruth says, everything we do is clinical, but we use it in our traditional ways. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy. I'm Betu Washte. My name is Ruth Cedarface. My Lakota name is Nohik Sapawi, and that means wise spirit woman. Um, Today I'm going to be talking a little bit about treatment for pregnant women. And there are three areas that I will be discussing. The first area that I'm talking about will be ways in which pregnant women can or cannot receive substance use treatment. And this question kind of is a little bit um, well, I guess in a way I can talk about it a little bit because what I'm trying to do is, um, you know, talk about it on two different aspects. And so firstly, what I want to talk about is how they can access treatment. Um, so they can, I guess, receive treatment or access treatment. There are a few ways that they can. So for example, a pregnant woman will need to get services for whatever reasons, either she wants to get services because she's pregnant and she knows she's using or she's requested by another um, agency such as um, the legal system, CPS, for her to get certain, like, certain services um, that she needs to get. So in order to get treatment, you have to go through a process. And in that process, you have to do for one, the referral, find an agency you're comfortable at or you know of and, and get the referral done. You can do a self-referral um, or CPS can help you do the referral or the legal system or whoever, but that referral has to be done because in order to get into any type of treatment services, you need to have um, like an assessment that says you need a that indicates the level of service or level of care that you need. And so when you do that assessment, they will then turn around and the provider will say, okay, well, you do meet the requirements for 
residential treatment. Um, and there's different levels of that as well. Or maybe you only meet the criteria for outpatient treatment. And then they have to factor in a lot of different things that come with that. And so when you go through that process, there's different paperwork that you have to complete and different things you have to complete. For residential treatment, they may have you on, um, you know, getting a referral to the state agencies. And so you would, they would have to fill out this needs document and say, this is what the assessment says, send it to the state, and then they will look at everything that they have and then determine that placement for you and help you get in that place. But in the meantime, they also look at different things like, do you have a funding source to pay for it? Do you have uh, Medicaid? Do you have private insurance? Do you have anything like that? And so that would kind of determine like the what needs to be done in the meantime while you're waiting for confirmation of a bed space. Um, and that's like the typical process for anybody that's trying to get into residential treatment. Um, you might need to get a, a physical completed. You might need to do like those different things that you need to do in order to get that in, into that placement that they have for you. The hardest thing though is when you're pregnant, there's not a lot of services for residential placement for pregnant women or women with children. I know in the state of South Dakota, there's only two or three, two East River and one West River, and they're really difficult to get into because the waiting line is so long. And so with all the paperwork that you have, if you have legal problems, if you have legal issues, they will, you know, that will, that will be things that they would also probably want you to provide um, for this. Um, so it's a pretty comprehensive process. Um, you would probably you need to get all this stuff together um, and they would set a bed, uh, a bed space for you and a time to enter into the treatment program. Um, but what would stop you from getting into treatment is possibly funding. However, I do know that they do have funding for women um, um, and low-income families. Um, and so that would be an option that they would probably look at helping you find. Um, and then um, that could be some, but, but it could also be something that, you know, you might not be able to, to um, access either. So that's something, funding could be a way that you wouldn't get into treatment. Um, the legal system also, if you're involved in the legal system, and I know a lot of times incarcerated women have a hard time getting into treatment because they want them to sit in, in the jail and sit out some time before they refer them out. Even for assessments, it takes a while. A court order has to be in place and you'd have to get um, that court order in order to be able to get an assessment while in jail. Um, and also, you, if an individual refuses treatment, then they, they obviously cannot get treatment services. And so those are the three like major things that I think would impact a person's um, treatment options are availability. Um, if they're willing to go, it's good. Court orders sometimes are needed to get into treatment. Um, but of course, always know that that assessment is something that has to come before everything else. 
And so um, in order to access that, that is something to really, really look at and know where you need to go in order to get those services. And a lot of times people don't know where to go. You know, a lot of times people don't know where an office is to do that, where um, there's services that are provided like that. And so that's something to really look at is when that's becoming a topic of discussion to make sure you know where to go to get those services. Um, some agencies do assessments for free. I know on tribal lands, the substance abuse programs do assessments for free for their um, for the native population. Um, they cost when you go off reservation. Again, those um, funding that might be available out there for low-income families could help you get that type of stuff together and get that done because it is kind of spendy um, to get that 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 done and if you have private insurance even better you know you already have your paperwork and documents present that to wherever it is that you go um, and they will let you know what they need from you or whatever so um we talk about like stigma and how, you know, that can play a role um, in getting treatment services for women. And I really thought about this for a long time. And I really thought about like what it is that we're, you know, how are, what are the stigmas? What are, what are the things that um, come into play um, for receiving treatment? Are having treatment options. Now, one of the main things for women is women end up being a lot of times the main providers or caretakers of a family. And so because of that, um, women don't think you know, their focus is their families, their children. And although they might have a substance use disorder, it might be something that they look at as, well, I I do this because it helps me relax. It helps me do not realizing that it, be, it can become a really um, harmful part of their coping skills and their coping mechanisms. Um, and so women tend to feel like because they're the caretakers and they're the breadwinners and that type of stuff that they don't have time to do this treatment, so any type of treatment services. But that's not true. And I a lot of employers would work with um, their employees to get those kind of services as long as you're like upfront with them and and you're dealing with that type of deal um college courses you know if you're in college full-time talk to your instructors um talk to them and see what you need to do but a lot of times because of that feeling that we're the only ones that can do that that are taking care of our families and paying the bills and doing that type of stuff that we're not going to be able to um do this part of what we need to do, taking care of that problem that we're dealing with. Um, and a lot of times we think it's okay, you know, it's okay because that's our coping and we're handling it and we need to have a few drinks, we need to have a few hits, we need to have, you know, something to help us get through that. But that stigma of women, you know, that place on themselves that they're not able to do this because they have to be there and they have to take care of because there's nobody else there. And it is reality that a lot of times we don't have those services or those supports that we need um, to help with different, um, I guess, concerns that we might have, such as childcare while we're gone. I know I worked with this young lady one time and 
her whole concern was what is she going to do with her children? She knew she needed services. She knew she needed the help, but she couldn't just up and leave because the children's father wasn't available, wasn't present in their life. Um, the mother was not physically capable of taking care of the younger children that she had. And um, so, you know, she ended up um, not like trying, not trying to get into treatment because she just felt like she just didn't have the support she needed to have. Um, and a lot of times we look at the women too. Um, we have uh, people that um, look at women as not necessarily having problems of substance abuse because they usually are those caretakers. And so society puts that on us as well that, oh, they're, they should be able to handle things. They should be able to do that. They know better, their mothers, their parents, their, you know, whatever. Um, and they put that stigma on us that we should already know. But we don't, you know, sometimes you just don't even realize you're having a problem that there's a substance abuse issue and a concern. And so you end up thinking, oh, I need to be stronger. I need to handle this better. I need to do that. Not thinking that there's people out there that would be able to help you. And so, um, you know, some of those things you think about with the stigmas that are out there for women already, because we already have those roles. We already have to do a lot of things on our own, take care of things, go to school, go to college, pay the bills, take care of the children. Um, and so a lot of what society tells us is that, excuse me, you have to handle. You are a woman, you have those children. That was what you wanted, your responsibilities, you have to handle it. And so it puts a lot of stress on us to have to handle. And so, asking for help becomes a harder thing because you've asked for help probably in different areas and not have not been able to get it, but you end up getting. Um, and so when something like this happens, where you do need to get the services, um, you're, you're afraid to ask because you know you don't have the supports that you need. Um, and um, your worries, like a lot of times the worries about if I go to treatment, will I have my job? If I go to treatment, will I be able to finish classes? If I go to treatment, where's my kids gonna stay? Who's gonna take care of my children? Who's gonna pay my bills? That type of thing happens. And, um, and a lot of times women are usually the, um, I guess the primary caretakers of a family system. And in, in, um, 2020, there was 15.3 million children living with single mothers. And so that kind of number shows you that the main concern for a, a woman and a mother would be that who's going to help them. Because a lot of parents who are in this position have probably dealt with child protection services before, and they don't want their children to end up in that position. They don't want their children to end up um, being in that foster care system because they're fearful of them probably not ever getting them back or taking them, getting them back or, or, or um, being able to get them back in their system. And um, so it's really hard, but, 
the other side of it too is like if you're pregnant then there's a whole different area of things to look at and services so like getting into treatment for somebody that's not pregnant is already a lengthy process and sometimes frustrating sometimes um, I guess it takes up a lot of time and so people end up losing that desire to do what they need to do and so with pregnant women getting into treatment there's other things they have to look at like prenatal care um, they have to look at nutrition for pregnant women they have to look at mental health issues for women and a lot of treatment programs have that but for pregnant women i think it's just a little bit extra um you know that they have to do and I guess it shows like in the state of South Dakota because we only have three residential programs for pregnant women and they're already hard to get into. So, um, you know, I feel like working with pregnant women was a little bit harder, a little bit more difficult because of the fact that they were pregnant and they had these extra needs. And then the other part of that is that when they go into um, treatment services, they, um, need to prepare them for post services, um, the continuum, continuum of care. And that would entail a lot of mental health. There's the possibility of postpartum depression. So it's about combining both mental health and substance abuse services together. And, um, and it's, you know, and, and sometimes it's difficult for them to continue those services, to continue those those types of things they need when they get home because then they go back into the same thing of hustling and getting get back into school and getting back into the workforce and getting back into all of that. Um, and so it's really a little extra. And a lot of times pregnant women um, don't, you know, they, they have probably grown up in homes where substance use is okay when they're pregnant. They probably grew up in homes where there was a lot of trauma and the things that they came with. So not only, you know, so then, you know, they have to deal with that type of stuff. And so, you know, we talk about, you know, like there's the question of how does race and culture intersect with, with the stigma to influence how pregnant women experience substance use treatment. And so in today's present world, like right now today, um, substance use addresses um, the need for mental health services as well. When I first started working in substance abuse 20-some um, years ago, it was you do your substance abuse treatment and then get mental health services. Or you, or they would say you get met your mental health taken care of and then you come get your substance abuse um, services. But today, the awesome thing about mental health services or substance abuse treatment is that they have the combined approach. And so that's something that um, we have to really look at because when you think about race and culture and you talk about women of color who naturally come into this, um, into like these different programs, already dealing with some of the historical and cultural trauma that they may not even realize they're dealing with. And they have they come in already with strike one and that's that. Um, then they have the effects of any traumas that that historical or cultural trauma has impacted on their families. 
So they already come in with their family history of having extensive substance use. They have their family history of that type of stuff or even their trauma from living in a home where there was a lot of substance use already happening. And um, so they, when they come into their, um, into, into this situation and they're pregnant, a lot of times the women, the young women who need services may be underage. And so they would still need to have their guardians taking care of them or signing for them. Um, and then as pregnant women coming into this, these programs um, in a cultural aspect, and I speak solely for Lakota culture, is that a lot of these um, women don't have the teachings that could impact their parenting styles. And so they're not aware of a lot of the, um, I guess a lot of the, the teachings that could help them know that substance use isn't healthy for their baby, their unborn baby, for themselves, for their development type of thing. And um, a lot of times among people of color, mental health stigma is um, not good. I mean, it's just the stigma is there that if you ask for help, you're weak. If you ask for help, there's something definitely wrong with you and it becomes an issue. And also the fear from the historical trauma that mental health is a bad thing because of the stories that we know of where our people were put into um, mental health, mental like asylums or different things like that because of different things and different beliefs and the, the way the people handled different things. And so looking at those types of, um, you know, those types of things, we have, you know, culturally, and um, I guess, like race, each race, each person, each group of um, people, um, they have their ways and their teachings, and they have their things that they can do to help their people. Um, the hard thing about substance abuse treatment, getting into it, one is just the length of time it takes to do the paperwork to get into it. And the other thing is um, accessibility to transportation, to funding, to childcare, to all of the stuff that happens that's needed for getting services. If you do outpatient programs, um, I know around, in, like on our reservation, there's minimal, um, places for substance outpatient substance abuse treatment. You can go into like local towns like Rapid City or whatever, and there's places everywhere for that. But getting up there for our people is really hard, the transportation part of it. Um, and a lot of times in any type of counseling that's needed, that our people need, um, basic necessities usually trump that type of deal. And so when I worked with behavioral health with Indian Health Service, we would have appointments, like a lot of appointments not um, being made because they would either be looking for, you know, their basic necessities to be met, like electricity um, needs to be paid or turned back on. So they're hustling to find ways to do that. There's no transportation to get in to, to the appointment. Um, they don't have childcare to, to get into the um, 
to, to get to the appointment. So those basic necessities, their basic needs need to be met in order for them to get even consider counseling. So a lot of times our women, our, our women have to look at those things first before they go can say, okay, yeah, I'm gonna go to treatment. You know, I'm I'm gonna go to treatment for 30, 45, you know, whatever days. And the need for treatment for women with children and pregnant women is so needed because they have to be able to have these places where they feel safe with their children are with them. Um, they need to be able to take these children um, with them and so that they can focus on what they have to do to help themselves. And then the part of preparing them to come back home because they'll come back home to the same old situation. And so giving them that strength and that ability to handle and cope with those stressors that come back to them when they get back to the, to the place they came from. And so those are the difficult things. So finding those continuum of care, finding those um, support systems that are out in the communities, there's not a lot, but there's still some, and that comes into play with, um, I guess like our, our cultural ceremonies, our traditional healing ceremonies, our traditional healers, that type of stuff is what comes into play. Um, even their clergy and those types of supports that they could have in the in these rural communities because of a lack of a lot of other supports. So right now we have three programs. I know there's uh, Volunteers of America Dakotas that have two residential, they're East River. And then we have one that Behavior Management Systems has here in West River in Rapid City, but I know the need is high for those services and I know the waiting. Um, the waiting is a while. I've had tried to get a couple young ladies in and the waiting period was really long. Um, also, if um, there's needs for these pregnant women out there like parenting classes, um, they look at, you know, you, you, there's different availability, you know, things available on the reservation and, um, and there's specific classes related to um, native parenting. And then you look at family strengthening topics and things like that. And then also is the father, you know, the father's engagement into these different things. So you look at those types of stuff along with the mental health and the substance abuse services. You look at um, if they're working with CPS, a lot of times, um, the children are no longer, uh, some of the older children are no longer in the home. So getting them connected back to their people with the CPS so that they can start working on what they need to do, like the parenting classes and the father's engagement and getting their continuum of care services and that type of stuff. And um, then there's the need, um, you know, for having them, you know, to get those basic needs met and thing, basic stuff like transportation to get to these services. So um, when you're dealing with a pregnant woman, I think you, you um, have to look at it as like a multifaceted approach to helping them. And a lot of times it doesn't work just because of the fact of that need for childcare. 
um, that need for their security and that, um, you know, they need to have those other options of nutritional, um, they need to have the mental health, they need to have the prenatal care, they need to have all of the stuff that's tied into that. So that addressing um, pregnant women is a special population and needs the little extra work that we have to have. And sometimes that's the hard part about working with women in um, need of services that are pregnant. Um, a lot of times they choose to just sit out their jail time if they're involved in the legal system. A lot of times they give up if they're involved in CPS because it's just too hard to be able to get to that goal of completing treatment out, you know, and so that and so they end up giving up and losing their children. And if they're pregnant, um, I, I know the tribe will sit people in jail until they have their baby just to keep that baby safe and hopefully unaffected from the substance use. And so pregnant women are a special population and definitely don't have the services that they need, um, whether they're um, people of color, women of color, or whether they're not that need is always there. Um, so I hope this is good, you guys. I mean, I'm not sure if I'm addressing everything the way I need to, but please let me know and I can um, get back to you. I can, you know, do what I need to do um, to make changes. Thank you.